United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. We've been watching closely the situation as it has been developing in Baghdad. We know now that the, uh, the, the assault on the compound there has stopped for now at the very least. But Arwa Daywan is located in Baghdad and says that as the militiamen withdrew from the U.S. Embassy compound, security analysts are interested in how so many protesters were able to march so easily through so many checkpoints to get to the perimeter of the compound. Among the top leaders that we saw in the first images that came out when this was first unfolding were some key figures, notably one key figure who was once detained by the Americans back during the years of the U.S.-led uh, occupation here. He was directly responsible for a number of attacks against U.S. forces. Let's get some more understanding of this issue, a deeper understanding with Dr. Elia Abwan, who is the United States Institute of Peace, Middle East, North Africa director, joining us from the Middle East, North Africa, Tunisia hub of USIP, tweeting at ELLE022. Dr. Abwan, thank you for joining us on POTUS today. Thank you and good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. Uh, help us understand better what happened at the embassy and why the attack took place. Uh, yeah, well, actually what happened is was a reaction uh, against the strike uh, uh, that, uh, that hit uh, a base, a military base of the Popular Mobilization Forces, which is a paragovernmental uh, military force uh, that is uh, basically composed of several groups, many of them uh, loyal to the Iranians. Uh, and the, the U.S. strike itself came as a reaction, uh, actually, after uh, <clears throat> a, uh, an attack against a U.S. military force near Kirkuk in northern Iraq, uh, uh, the result of which was one, uh, one casualty, a civilian uh, Department of Defense contractor. Uh, so it was a chain uh, of events, uh, starting with the strike against the U.S. base in Kirkuk, leading to another strike by the U.S. Air Force uh, against a PMF uh, base, uh, and then the, uh, the demonstration or the attack against the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. So now we understand more about exactly what happened. Did the U.S. make the right decision to respond to that original attack? Well, the, the U.S. Uh, <clears throat> comes basically, as I said, as a response to the attack, uh, and it, it comes, it, uh, basically this, this response is in line with the red lines that were announced initially by the U.S. government by saying that any casualty uh, within the U.S. Uh, civil, uh, contractors or military will be responded to. So this is, this is in line with the red lines uh, that were set by the U.S. government initially. Uh, and I don't see how the U.S. could have ignored this, uh, given that, as I said, there was, uh, there was at least one casualty among the contractors. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, four people were injured as well. Four military, four U.S. military were injured. One other factor in this, Dr. Eliabawana, is the United States' engagement with Iraq and Iran, or as some have characterized it, disengagement with Iraq. Speak to that as part of the growing tensions between the U.S. and Iraq right now. 
Yeah, well, um, I mean, the disengagement of the United States is, does not apply only to Iraq. It's, uh, it applies to the entire region. We're seeing this. I mean, we've seen this in Libya. We're seeing this in, in Syria, in Lebanon, other places, including Iraq, of course. So it's not specific to Iraq. It's an overall foreign policy that uh, the U.S. Is, uh, has basically chose to, to take. Uh, however, uh, what's happening in Iraq right now is that uh, uh, I think the U.S. Uh, government doesn't have the choice but to, uh, but to increase its uh, uh, investment, especially the non-military investment. Uh, so that the expansion of the Iranian influence is, is uh, basically contained in a way or another. Uh, I know that this is not ideal for the Iraqis, but uh, at the same time, leaving the space uh, will only embolden the Iranians and will lead to more expansion, possibly beyond uh, Iraq itself. Uh, and uh, as I always say, is that Iraq is a workable case. So there is, uh, I mean, there is a likeliness of success in Iraq to contain the Iranian influence if the right investment is uh, is done. Dr. Ilig Abouan is with us, the United States Institute Middle East North Africa Director. He's joining us from Tunisia. You mentioned the non-military investment. People will ask the question, why does the U.S. still have somewhere between four and 5,000 troops still in Iraq? Uh, this uh, this force is part of the. Uh, I mean, there are two two missions for the force, uh, as far as I know. Uh, one of them is uh, to support the fight against ISIS, which is still an unfinished task, uh, as everyone knows. And we've seen recently a surge in the activity of some dormant cells uh, around Ninawa, Kirkuk, and other places in northern Iraq. So this is one more indicator that there is a need for a sustained effort in fighting ISIS in both Iraq and Syria, and the U.S. is an instrumental part of this fight. And the second, uh, the second mission or the second fold of the mission is basically the training uh, and the capacity building of the Iraqi armed forces that the U.S. Army has committed to do. Uh, so this requires, obviously, the physical presence of some trainers, advisors, and, and other uh, military officers. One last question, Dr. Abouan. This has to do with protests that were already taking place, unrelated protests in Iraq against the government there. Is it your sense that the government still has a handle on things? In other words, that there is still uh, a, a strong chance of survival of the institutions, or is that in jeopardy? Well, the present government is a caretaker government, and uh, even before they, the prime minister resigned, I think they lost control of the street. Uh, the, the two main actors uh, at that time were the, <clears throat> the protesters, which is a constellation of different groups uh, with, a, with a wide range of demands and ideological backgrounds. Uh, <clears throat> And uh, the, the, second, the second key actor was, the I would say, the loyalists, but they were not loyalists to the prime minister. They were mostly loyalists to Iran, uh, so the PMF, or the Popular Mobilization Forces, and, and their uh, affiliated groups. Uh, uh, what, uh, 
what could happen, I mean, or uh, sorry, the question was about the survival of the institutions. I think the institutions will survive as, uh, as, uh, as institutions. But the question is, uh, who will be leading these institutions and what will be uh, their, their actions, basically? So this is the key question. It's not about the, whether the institution will survive or not, as much as it is who's going to influence or lead these institutions. And uh, I don't think there is a, a, a known answer to this question at this stage. It all depends, as I said, on how much there will be a non-military investment in Iraq to counter the Iranian expansion, uh, because clearly one of the two parties is affiliated with Iran. Um, and I don't think that, uh, you know, as I said before, leaving the space is a, is a good option at this stage. Last question, is Iraq in a better place and the U.S. with reference to Iraq, are we in a better place than we were 10 years ago when the decade opened? Uh, Compared to 10 years ago, I don't think Iraq is in a better place. Uh, But uh, up until two or three months ago, Iraq was... uh, basically taking the road to become a better place. Uh, there were elections, there were, uh, for the victory against ISIS uh, in 2017, then the elections in 2018, and other political developments were positive, and including economic uh, development, were uh, indications that Iraq was recovering uh, slowly but steadily. Uh, the recent events in the last two to three months uh, basically uh, are a setback uh, and uh, this is why I'm constantly calling for an, a concerted international effort including the US to support the Iraqis in, uh, in, a, in basically uh, taking back the recovery path. Dr. Abouan, I certainly appreciate you joining us here on POTUS today. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. Same to you. Bye. Dr. Ule Abouan, who is the United States Institute of Peace, Middle East, North Africa director, joining us from their Middle East, North Africa, Tunisia hub this morning to comment on the latest developments in Baghdad, the storming of the embassy, which is over, but the problem remains. The Twitter handle, by the way, is at ELLE022. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.